Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence. And I thank you that this morning we have sensed your presence. We have felt your presence. And that when when we do so, we know that your Holy Spirit is doing a work in each one of us. I pray today that you continue your work through your word that you've given us and that your spirit would speak to us, that you would change us from the inside out, and that you would give us a heart of gratitude. We thankful. We are thankful this morning. And we pray in the name of Jesus today. Amen. Well, this is Thanksgiving week. Uh, coming up uh, this coming Thursday, I was listening this morning to the Cathedral Quartet singing Hide Thou Me, an old hymn. And these words struck me. I'm not going to read the whole song, but it just these words struck me as they were singing. Sometimes I feel discouraged, and I think my works are in vain. I'm tempted often to murmur, to grumble. And complain. But then I think of Jesus and all he's done for me. Thanksgiving, I saw a sign, I think it's on Cook's United Methodist Church. It said Thanksgiving is not just a day, it's a lifestyle. And obviously we, we certainly uh, want to be those who are giving thanks year-round. I mean, thank God we have a day we can celebrate to remind us, but I pray, I hope that for us, for most of us, if not all of us, I hope that we thank God more than one day a year. And the day of Thanksgiving helps. So I have titled today's message, The Side Effects of Thanksgiving. And most all of us have seen commercials on TV for a medication or medicine. Uh, in most cases, we can't pronounce it, the medication they're putting up on the screen. And they tell us what great it's going to help our rheumatoid arthritis. Boy, it's going to be great. Now, it might cause diarrhea, stomach aches, headaches, uh, fever. You might you have this long list of and you know, I look. I tell my wife, I look at that up there. I think I think I'll just stick with what I got. <laughs> the side effects of Thanksgiving are not like that. And when I say Thanksgiving, I don't just mean the day, but I mean the act. I, I've read you this story before. I didn't put it on the screen. You just if you just listen. Max Licato wrote a book in 1991 called "In the Eye of the Storm." This is a somewhat familiar story. It says, an old man walks down a Florida beach. The sun sets like an orange ball on the horizon. The waves slap the sand. The smell of salt water stings the air. The beach is vacant. No sun to entice the sunbathers. Not enough light for the fishermen. So aside from a few joggers and strollers, the gentleman is alone. He carries a bucket in his bony hand, a bucket of shrimp. It's not for him. It's not for the fish. It's for the seagulls. He walks to an isolated pier casting gold by the setting sun. He steps out to the end of the pier. The time has come for the weekly ritual. He stands and he waits. 
Soon the sky becomes a mass of dancing dots. The evening silence gives way to the screeching of birds. They fill the sky and then cover the moorings. They are on a pilgrimage to meet the old man. For a half hour or so, the the bushy-browed, shoulder-bent gentleman will stand on the pier, surrounded by the birds of the sea, until his bucket is empty. But even after the food is gone, his feathered friends still linger. They linger as if they're attracted to more than just food. They perch on his hat. They walk on the pier. The old man on the pier couldn't go a week without saying thank you. His name is, was Eddie Rickenbacker. If you were alive in October of 1942, you probably remember the day, and I was not, and most of us weren't. You remember the day that he was reported missing at sea. He had been sent on a mission to deliver a message to General Douglas MacArthur. With a hand-picked crew in a B-17 known as the Flying Fortress, he set off across the South Pacific. Somewhere the crew became lost, the fuel ran out, and the plane went down. All eight crew members escaped into the life rafts. They battled the weather, the water, the sharks, and the sun. Most of all, they battled the hunger. After eight days, their rations were gone. They ran out of options. It would take a miracle for them to survive, and a miracle occurred. After an afternoon devotional service, which they did each day, by the way, I read somewhere else that after this experience, one of these, one of the men died, but the others, all of the others accepted Christ before they got rescued. After an afternoon devotional service, the men said a prayer and tried to rest as Rickenbacker was dozing with his hat over his eyes. Something landed on his head. He would later say that he knew it was a seagull. He didn't know how he knew. He just knew that goal meant food if he could catch it, and he did. The flesh was eaten, the insides were used as fish bait, and the crew survived. What was a seagull doing hundreds of miles away from land? Only God knows. But whatever the reason, Rickenbacker was thankful. And as a result, every Friday evening, this old captain walked to the pier, his bucket full of shrimp, shrimp and his heart full of thanks. We'd be wise to do the same. These are the words of Mercado. We've much in common with Rickenbacker. We, too, were saved by a sacrificial visitor. We, too, were rescued by one who journeyed far from only God knows where. And we, like the captain, have every reason to look into the sky and worship. An act of gratitude, an act of thankfulness. And I'm not going to go into detail, but when when, uh, the pilgrims, I'm sure they called themselves that, but when they landed here, they came with a thankful heart. Uh, And I've I've got just a little bit of what they could think is the first uh, Thanksgiving. We only have two firsthand accounts of that very first time. The first accounts by William Bradford in his journal, Plymouth uh, Plymouth Plantation, and Edward Winslow in Mort's relations. Uh, and they held the first Thanksgiving feast to celebrate a successful fall harvest. The feast they celebrated was in 1621. It was never at that time actually called Thanksgiving by the colonists. It was, it was just simply called a harvest celebration. In July of 1623, they held what they called a Thanksgiving day of fasting and prayer. 
And somewhere along the way, those two became merged. Uh, and uh, in 1777, uh, the Continental Congress declared uh, the first national Thanksgiving on December the 18th. It's in 1789. George Washington declared the last Thursday in November a national Thanksgiving as well. But it was only until Abraham Lincoln was president and legislation was passed in 1863 that gave us what we now celebrate as Thanksgiving Day. And, you know, any act of gratitude in Thanksgiving uh, is positive and in the right direction. So I wanted to look at some scripture this morning and talk about the side effects of Thanksgiving. Uh, if you would turn to Psalm 50 uh, as we look at our scripture today. Psalm 50. I'm not going to try to uh, expound on all of these verses, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 15 and then one more verse. If you would stand while I read, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting out of Zion. The perfect, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silence, but... but before him is a devouring fire, around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Look over at verse 23, the last verse. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me to one who orders his way rightly. I will show the salvation of God. You could be seated. Yeah, it was short. We'll keep get it longer next time, Orrin. I love it. Sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Offering a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. There's a story in Luke 17, we're not going to turn, where Jesus is walking through a village and ten lepers approach him. They don't get too close to him. They're standing off at a distance and they're asking him to heal them. And Jesus says an odd thing to these ten lepers. He doesn't say, be healed. He doesn't go and lay hands on him, although he would later lay hands on some lepers. He says to them, go show yourself to the priest. And I'm sure they thought, that's not what we came here for. We could have did that without you. But he said, go show yourself to the priest. The Bible says that as soon as they started walking in the direction of wherever the priest was, they were cleansed, all ten. They were cleansed of their disease. One of them, after walking a few steps, realized he was cleansed and he turned and went back to give praise and gratitude to the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus looked and, and said, and of course the Bible identifies him as a Samaritan. And that's, this is not a parable. This is an actual fact. And Jesus said, how is it that this foreigner has come back to offer praise? Where are the other nine? Now I submit to you that all ten were healed, physically speaking. All ten were cleansed of their leprosy. But Jesus said to this one guy, this Samaritan, to this one guy, he said, your faith, some versions say, has made you well. But really what it's the word sozo, your faith has saved you. And most people believe, and I do too, that Jesus was telling him, not only have you been cleansed of your physical disease, your entire being has been made whole. You've experienced the total salvation of God. Why? Because you came back and you were thankful. Who knows what happened to the other nine? I don't know. I can tell you this, Jesus didn't take back his healing. I don't know what happened to them. But that's just a great story about side effects. And when I say side effects, I almost want to say the not-so-side effects because when we come to God with a thankful heart and a heart of gratitude, uh, things happen that are not just side effects in the sense that there's an a- they're an accident, but they're a direct correlation. It's like I often use the description of getting in a boat and going down the river or lake and looking behind your boat and you have a wake. Try driving a boat through the water at any speed and not having a wake behind you. You can't do it. And try giving thanks to God and being grateful to God and and, experience, and not experiencing the side effects that God promises. You just can't do it. One of the things that happens when we when we offer thanks to, and praise to God is we magnify the name of God. We magnify God. Uh, he said in Psalm 69, I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. What you do, what I do when we are offering thanksgiving to God, we're, we're not making him bigger than he is, but we're making him bigger in our circumstance. And we're recognizing that he's bigger in our circumstance. And magnify is just a word that means to exalt him in description or praise. And so when you're thanking, when this guy came back to Jesus and thanked him for healing him of leprosy, he was exalting Jesus and magnifying him in the eyes of all those around. Another thing that happens when we thank God is that we never forget. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, thank the Lord, and forget none of his benefits. That verse goes on to say, that passage goes on to say that he pardons our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems us from the pit. He satisfies our years with good things. And I want to say to you today that a grateful heart will never forget what God has done. What else would cause an old man to stand on a pier and feed a bunch of seagulls? Except that his grateful heart would not forget we just read the verse. God said, I, I own all the birds. It was God who sent that seagull that day to rescue these men from their distress. Uh, this is a little longer subtitle, but a thankful heart recognizes the source of our provision and protection. 
A thankful heart uh, removes us from the equation because sometimes we may think, I've got this, I did this, or I'm talented, or I'm gifted, or I can handle this. Or, you know, you may be like the guy uh, that was on the roof and was sliding down the roof, and he said, oh, God, save me, oh, God, save me, and his pants caught on a nail. And he said, never mind, God, the nail got me. Yeah. Sometimes we, we're so consumed with ourselves. But let me just tell you something. If you will take time to be thankful to God, to thank God, you will remember and you will recognize that he is the source of your provision. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. We talked about mountains this morning. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you are consumed with yourself, if you are consumed with your own abilities, if you are consumed with solving your problems yourself, then you won't look to the mountains. You'll look in the mirror. You'll also look at your feet because you realize that what's what's awaiting you at some point is failure. Psalm 18, I'm not going to turn. Uh, the, the psalmist just says that you have rescued me. You have given me the shield of salvation. You have equipped me for the battle. You have delivered me. And then he goes on to say this. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. The God who executes vengeance for me and subdues peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. And then he says this, therefore, you know, when you see a therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. Therefore, I will give you thanks, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. I will give you thanks whenever, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you discover something, you find something, you're walking down the road or you, you see a hundred dollar bill laying on the road and you're just getting more and more that it's not worth picking it up anymore. But anyway, and you pick it up and you say, thank you, Lord. Something happens that you have been praying for something, a person to come to Christ or something to happen in your life, your job, your checkbook. And you say, thank you, Lord. Therefore, I will give thanks. Another thing about the side effects of Thanksgiving is that the thankful redeemed will say so. The thankful redeemed, he said, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so to whom he has redeemed from trouble. Most of my Bible studying life, I have read that verse and heard, let the redeemed say so. Of course, it's not just the word so. But I have read that with this in mind. Let the redeemed say they're redeemed. And, and let me just tell you, there's nothing inaccurate about that. But I want to tell you that I think it's there's something else there that the psalmist is trying to communicate. He said, give thanks to the Lord For he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed say so. 
I don't think he's just saying, let them, let us say we're redeemed. I think he's saying, let the redeemed say that God is good and that his steadfast love endures forever. Let us say that. Let us recognize that as the redeemed, we are redeemed because of him. Let us testify of his goodness. He said, well, I've, I got a lot of problems. I got things in my life. I got things going on. Hey, you asked me to thank God. I didn't say thank God for everything, but thank God in everything. And by the way, if God never did another thing for you the rest of your life, uh, you're still in the hole. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Steadfast love. We'll talk about that more in a moment, but steadfast love is is uh, is the Hebrew equivalent of agape. Paul writes this, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, everybody say, I'm a people. If you didn't answer, you still are a people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As grace extends to more and more people, it increases thanksgiving to the glory of God. Why? Because we recognize that when we have received a grace of any kind, in any situation, in any circumstance, that what comes out of our heart is thanksgiving and gratitude to God. We are not like the nine lepers who go on their way, but we're like the one who turned around and came back and offered gratitude. Another great side effect of Thanksgiving is that we overcome anxiety. I realize that there are some some uh, matters of anxiety that are chemical. I remember I recognize there are some things that are medical, but I want to tell you that a lot of a lot of people, especially God's people, are dealing with anxiety. Uh, as Brother Vernon said, because it's a mild case of atheism. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, the reason, if Paul wrote that, and Paul wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and all Scripture is God-breathed, we must take that to heart. Don't be anxious about anything. If God writes that in the Bible, and he did, then we have somehow, we have the ability to not be anxious about everything. But in everything, everybody say everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. How do we come to the throne of God? How do we approach God? Do we approach him like he owes us? <laughs> do we approach him like, uh, you know, he, he birthed us, he, he gave us life, so he's, he's got to take care of us? And, or do we approach him, thank you, Lord, we're grateful, and these are my requests. And he said, if you do that, if you will, if you will approach God with prayer and supplication and do it with thanksgiving, he says the peace of God. Notice it says the peace of God, not just peace. It's the peace that belongs to God. It's the peace that comes from God. Will, it surpasses all understanding, all comprehension. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we come to God in prayer. 
supplication. We come to him with thanksgiving. And Paul promises and the Holy Spirit promises through the writings of Paul that the peace that comes from God's throne will guard our hearts. What are you going to guard our hearts against? Anxiety. You don't have to be governed by anxiety. And we all have issues. We all, there's times we worry about things. There's times we're concerned about what's next. But let's face it, uh, people, most of our problems are first world problems. We got to admit it. Last week, my wife and I, our kitchen faucet broke. Turned it on, water comes from everywhere. Got a pool underneath our sink. Most frustrating thing, couldn't stand it. Our The manufacturer said they'd send us a new faucet. They were too slow. We went and bought a new one. Now we'll have an extra one when that one comes in. That's a first world problem. I mean, we had running water. I've run to the bathroom and fill up the bucket and run and put it in the kitchen sink. That's our running water. sinking in but why I mean you know when our iPhone battery goes dead it's the end of the world why because we've allowed anxiety to govern us and we've allowed we've allowed anxiety to develop from things that it ought not develop from the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds and it will replace that anxiety and it will guard you against anxiety. But if you approach God with thanksgiving, he says, give thanks always. Everybody say always. Always. See, not just one day a year. Thank God we do it one day a year. Thank God around the world This coming Thursday, there will be people giving thanks to God who probably won't the rest of the year. Thank God on that day, people are going to have a mind of thanksgiving. Paul writes, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Everybody say all. All. Give thanks in all circumstances. The good ones and the not so good ones. All the circumstances we face that we would give thanks to God. What am I going to thank him for? Well, how about the fact that you're breathing? How about the fact that not only are you breathing, but you've been, I hope so, I hope you have, you've been born again by the Spirit of God. Let me just tell you something. God did not owe you salvation. He did not owe me salvation. He did not have to save you. He did not have to send the Holy Spirit to convict you and draw you to him. He did not have to give you the grace that you needed to make that trip. But he did. He did. Don't ever don't ever approach God with an entitlement mentality. Because you're not entitled. You're entitled to his salvation because he's offered it. Thank God that he did. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, well, I don't know what God's will is. Well, I can tell you where to start. If you don't know what God's will is for your life, start right there. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. If you'll do that, you'll find out what God's next will is. You'll find out what he wants you to do, where the plow is that he wants you to put your hands on. 
and plow the field of the kingdom in all circumstances. Paul writes in another place that we would give thanks always for everything to God the Father. The psalmist reminds us, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love, listen to this, I hope I can communicate this. His steadfast love endures, everybody say endures. It doesn't just last forever. There's a difference. It, it doesn't just last forever. It endures. What does it endure? All the nonsense we throw in, in God's way. All the nonsense we create and produce that his steadfast love has to overcome. The whatever, whatever negativity we bring to God, his steadfast love, his hesed, always makes it through that to us. It doesn't just last forever. It endures forever. His steadfast love is his faithful love in action. To understand Hesed, it, it expresses both God's loyalty to his covenant and his love for his people, along with the faithfulness to keep his promises. We we're saying this morning about God's faithfulness. We stand in his faithfulness. You can still stand in his faithfulness. You should still stand in his faithfulness. W.E. Vine's expository dictionary says this, strength, steadfastness, and love. Any understanding of hesed that fails to suggest all three of these inevitably loses some of its richness. Love by itself easily becomes sentimentalized or, un- or universalized apart from the covenant. Or it becomes mushy in my, my language. Yet strength or steadfastness suggests only the fulfillment of a legal or similar obligation. We need to understand that God's steadfast love comes with strength, strength, it comes with steadfastness, and it comes with love. This comes with God being faithful. God, some, some, uh, long standing is another word the psalmist uses a lot. God's love is long standing. If we're going to be grateful and thankful to God, we must understand that God is a God of steadfast love. Say, what can you do? What can you do to spurn or frustrate God's hesed towards you, God's steadfast love towards you? Nothing. You may not experience it like you should, but you can't, you can't uh, do anything to cause God to withhold his love. Can't do it. And finally, Paul writes to the church of Colossae, and this is our mantra, I hope, today. Whatever you do, whatever you, everybody say whatever. See, whatever you do, and and I'm slow. I'm not going to say what I used to say because my wife can't stand it. But I'm just a, I'm just a, a redneck from northwest Florida. But when I see whatever, I figure that covers whatever. I figure that doesn't leave anything out. Whatever. It's not, you know, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Whatever you do in word or deed, that pretty well covers it, doesn't it? Whatever you say or whatever you do, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and here's how you should do that, giving thanks to God. The Father, through him, 
Whatever you do, give thanks to God the Father through him. Let me just tell you that if we will live as people with a grateful heart, if we will live as people who are giving thanks constantly, if whatever we do, we do it with an attitude of gratitude, the quality of your life will be better. Not that everything's going to go great. Not that all your problems are going to immediately disappear. Because that's not, that's not the way God works. We, we sang this morning, I need you now. And sometimes God meets us in the now in such a way that we have victory and we have peace. But nothing has changed in our life logistically. Sometimes God changes the circumstances. But sometimes God just says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, various circumstances. Count it joy. Thank God when that happens. Thank God. I'm going to pray and then we're going to do one more thing. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for for calling us in so many places in your word to be those who offer thanksgiving those who are grateful those who are thankful and i pray that uh, your mercy would uh, give each one of us constant reminders that we should have a thankful heart we we should be grateful to you and that we would issue that gratitude to you Whatever our circumstances look like, whatever our situation is, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us and remind us by your Holy Spirit to remain those who are grateful. Grateful for you and your steadfast love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray that we remember the side effects of thanksgiving are all positive. They all impact our lives in a positive way. And that we would uh, always be those people who experience those side effects because we have been grateful. I pray in the name of Jesus, everybody said. And so now I'm going to give you an opportunity to show your gratitude. So I'd like Jessica to come up and I'd like her to tell you a little more about what we're doing. But this is, uh, I wanted to do it after because this is, this is a tangible way we can show thanks and give thanks. Go ahead, Jessica. Mm, good morning. That was really good. And I can't even start this without saying thank you to you. Um, I think we all feel that way. But we're so blessed every single week that you're so faithful to us. And you bring such solid truth. And you miss nothing. And I just so appreciate it. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, We are blessed truly to be a part of this body. As you know, our family has been so cared for um, by the body of Christ. And there's a difference between the world caring for the world and the body in motion and in action. So I get to stand up here as a living testimony to the goodness of God in and through it all. Um, He's given us the grace to... We started that ministry like four months prior to Seth just 
plummeting. And, you know, we kind of kept on that path with him. So he's a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> he's uh, unpredictable. So, but in all of that, we've had support and we've had a lot of people here at church have made cards um, and encouraged officers from Mount Juliet all the way to Lebanon. Um, we're about to wrap up on nearly 200 officers local that have all received a handful of cards to them with their names on it, a message written and gift cards as well sometimes. And um, that's a big deal. You guys have done that and helped us stay committed to the course. So um, like you said, it's an opportunity to give. Some of you may have read the email that we sent out, um, but our goal is just to raise some funds. We're going to go get gas cards with those so that the officers, as many as we can put into their hands. I don't know if we'll get every one of them, but if we do, wonderful. Um, but get them a gas card that they can use to bless somebody in the community. Um, we have an opportunity to minister to these officers. Some of them are saved. Some of them are probably not. And so the church doing what they do and coming alongside of them, um, showing them grace and compassion, and then also giving them an opportunity to do that, I think is a great thing. Um, and I know um, some of them are already looking forward to that. So if you would, I guess, join us in giving somehow. Just to be clear that the offering <clears throat> doesn't necessarily go to the officers. Is so that they could have gas cards to offer to people they find in distress along the way. Often, it hasn't happened in a while, but often I'll get a call from someone in the police department or even the sheriff's department and say, hey, I've run across somebody whose car is broken down. They can't, they don't have, can you put them up for a night in a motel? And of course we do that. We'll pay for a hotel room for a night for them to be able to get out of their distress. The policemen do things like this all the time. Often they do it out of their own pocket. And so we're assisting them in doing what they're already doing uh, in being able to provide these gas cards to them. And so, yeah, if you would, uh, uh, we're going to receive an offering. And if you're making out a check, just make it out to Abundant Life Church, and we will take care of getting that into the hands of the officer. you have anything else you want to say, Jessica? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, and, and this is a, a tangible way for us to give thanks uh, to the Lord and to those who serve us in this community. And I think you, well, go ahead and start passing. I think you already know, you don't need me to tell you, <clears throat> that we live in a uh, phenomenal area. Chief Hambricks told me more than once, people from all over the country call him and say, I hope you guys know that you're living in a bubble, that you have a phenomenal thing going on there, both city and countywide. And uh, you just, I want to make sure you realize that, that we realize it from the outside looking in. And so we want to thank, be thankful for these first responders uh, in the community and our leaders. And as we have been praying uh, up until recently for the elections, and, uh, and that's all in God's hands. But like I said, this is a great opportunity for us to help these police officers do what a lot of them have been doing already. And thank Jessica for taking this on. and. and Yeah, you're right. And a lot of you, a lot of you participating in the cards that went to these officers. This is not the last thing that will be done like this either. So 